0: Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. In our society, most people are content to go through their daily lives safely and peacefully, but our society is not always safe or peaceful. For that reason... Some men and women answer a higher calling to defend and protect their fellow man. You probably know someone who is one of these people. Or maybe you are one of these people. The ones who see and do the things most people would never want to. These things are sometimes heroic and beautiful, but often they are horrific and terrifying. It's these things they don't share about with other people. It's these things they carry with them, so you don't have to. But when they get together they talk to each other about them and they call these stories war stories. Welcome to another episode of war stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. It's been a, it's been a crazy week for, uh, for those of you listening to this during the week it's released. This is the week that, uh, juicy Smollett (laughs) was convicted and, uh, Bless my wife's heart. She wasn't really following it. She's following a lot of other stuff, but this one she's like, fuck that guy. She wasn't really following it. And uh, I told her there was a verdict that came down and I think she thought it was a civil case and that they were going after him for all the money that they had spent to investigate this and whatnot. And uh, it turns out that uh, I, when I told her it was a criminal case and he was now a five time convicted felon, she practically did an end zone dance just because you know that guy's an fuck idiot. That guy. Well, yeah, okay, he's an idiot. I'm sure he's beating himself up over it.
1: very <laughs> right. someone to do it, <laughs> dude. Let me tell you what. Whoa, what was that about? This is a different background. I know, right? Um, let me tell you what. What I saw driving home from the the bad side of town. Okay. In about two minutes, No, less than two minutes, eh, eh, about two minutes is fair. First, on the bad side of town, as we like to call it, the ghetto or East Side, mm-hmm. <clears throat> assholes on the on their fucking motorbikes, motorcycles, driving like dickheads on a main highway,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mini bikes and shit. And then, about a quarter mile up, I look to the right at a liquor store, and I see the ladies of the night. The working girls, uh, the hookers, the street rats, the night mm-hmm. rats, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Ladies uh, of the oh, evening. Man, there was a big one, a small one, a skinny one. Man, it was funny. And then I go to turn towards the freeway and an encampment's on fire. Fucking good old transients. Uh,
0: I mean, maybe there's a question for the locker room. I'll save it for the locker room, but I'll pose it here and say, it used to be that if you picked up a training hooker and found a dick, like and there was a fight that ensued the cops would come and they'd be like oh he was beating up on a, a woman he he's probably go to jail oh oh it's a training hooker that didn't tell him that she had a dick nah nah it's mutual combat we're out <laughs> nowadays is that shit a hate crime it's fucking hate crime dude <laughs> all right uh, well it, it could be um
1: it's there's a lot of uh oh boy there's a lot of um um Going back and forth on it, uh, it could be, uh, unless, but also- It, it can't be a hate be... crime
0: because you had no knowledge that they were a tranny. So there you go. it's right. That's your real answer. The only way but... it would
1: become a hate crime is if you would have, and I had something similar like this happen to me uh, in a professional job op- occupation, not in personal life. <laughs> <laughs> um, You would have to make some certain sort of gestures, comments, like, you fucking tranny, disgusting, and you beat the shit out of him because the
0: person has- Penis. right okay so when you discover <laughs> the penis don't say anything about it just beat them up and then it's not a hate crime don't say oh but- there's a fucking penis and then beat them up anyway before we go down the tranny hooker hole, we can talk about this for our locker that's a locker room topic uh, i wanted on. to welcome austin to the show uh, how are you austin
3: doing good how are you tom
0: good good uh now you are 22 and yes, a firefighter sir. right
3: yes sir a volunteer firefighter
0: okay so you had uh contacted us previously actually about a dedication and then uh we ended up uh, talking to you a little bit and uh, chuck and i it's nice to have the opportunity to interview a 22 year old firefighter before the career a career in public safety has crushed their soul right they're still <laughs> bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and like oh this is gonna be
2: so this much fun <laughs>
0: So we appreciate you coming on the show, but we thought it would be, it would be fun. Uh, we've had a couple of volunteer firefighters, but uh, you're pretty young and new and you're still a volunteer firefighter. Um, So, you know, we wanted to talk to you about how a, a young man deals with that and how that affects you. And so I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, at this point, what I'm curious to know is how at 22 did you land where you landed and how, how you ended up? on that path to to being a volunteer and i assume correct me if i'm wrong are you planning on becoming a full-time firefighter
3: yes sir that that's that's the goal
0: that's what i figured so why don't you kind of tell us how what set you on this path and and how you ended up where you're at briefly
3: uh well see i was i was really young when 9-11 happened and as i got older i got i'm very like i love history history is one of my favorite things and um it was right around, I believe I was in the fifth or sixth grade and we had to do something on 9-11 and watching all the videos on YouTube back then about 9-11. Like I just watching all those about the firefighters and cops and, you know, EMS workers and everything else. It just like that was what I knew I wanted to do it. And um I think it was a few months later, or a couple of years later. um the store that my granddad was the GM of actually burned down and my dad's house was close enough to it. We actually, he got the phone call right after the phone call to 911 and uh we went over there and watched pretty much watched it burn from it standing up to the time it hit the ground and just wow. watching all them guys work together and everything else. It was, I knew I knew then that's what I wanted to do.
0: So I'm assuming you were about two years old when nine eleven happened based on your age. And how old were you when the fire broke out at the at your grandfather's? Uh it was his he's the it was he was the manager of the, the location. Yes, right? sir. Okay, yes, sir. So how how old were you when, when that happened?
3: I think I was I believe I was older than eight. I was okay. older I'm old I was old enough to remember that day. the third or fourth grade yeah
0: somewhere around there okay so then how did that briefly because i know something like that really does impact a young life how do you think looking back that seeing firefighters work to save your grandfather's place of employment right down the street from your house what kind of an impact do you think that had it was just
3: it was on my end, it was scary because, like, on my end, it was scary because I had spent so much time in that store. Right. Um, like where my granddad's office was, the wall ended up collapsing, and I just remember sitting there saying, "Like, that's where I've sat for so long. How many time, How many hours and days that I've spent in that office, and it's gone." And right. Just seeing all the lights and seeing them, you know, in my opinion, Billy Badass coming out of the truck, all geared up, ready to go, and just watching them work together, you know, just the teamwork that everybody had was just awesome.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, when you see, um, you think of the fire brigades and the bucket brigades of back in the day. You think that's what that that was. Nothing compared to what modern firefighting and the teamwork of of the dance of a of a company of firefighters coming off the truck and just with with relative ease, you know, it's still mm-hmm. a difficult job, but it's it's just a dance they do so well. You see them all; just everybody knows their job. Everybody gets out. Everybody does their thing, man.
2: Yes, sir. I watch, so you uh, that up? A- Good. I watch Chicago Chicago Fire and. uh, <laughs> they do it
0: real well. <laughs> well, they get to rehearse. Uh, <laughs> uh.
1: No, I, I like I like the fact that you had uh, an incident happen to you that you know directly affected your life that caused you to come into um, you know wanting to to make a life of of service, which is very admirable, and not too many young people jump into it. Uh, and there's a there's a bunch of young people that I know that did come into it, but I know a lot of. <clears throat> Adults who were like mid thirties, forties, and they're like, you know what, this is something that I want to do. Yeah. You know, come to and it late. It's, they come to it late, but they still come to it. And I, I like seeing the younger guys that are like, oh, you know, this happened to me, or I saw this happen to me, or I used to get chased as a kid by the cops because we were stupid and silly and doing dumb things, and really? that actually drove me into wanting to become a police officer. Which we had someone on the show that that actually happened to. And then you know, I, I've worked with partners and stuff like that. That they had something that directly affected their life or they would see the cars rolling code three with lights and sirens and like, I want to do that. And next thing you know, right. They're like, yeah, now I'm doing it and it's still surreal. So that's, that's, that's pretty, uh pretty awesome that
0: that happened. So you graduated high school. Did you, did, are you in college? Or are you going to college for fire science? How did you end up from the time you get out of school, say to now, uh being an actual volunteer firefighter, I assume you're if you're a volunteer firefighter, you're either a student or you have another job how did How did that pursuit how did you end up doing that
3: well the that's a really long story that uh I would have to tell oh. in a different different time um just to kind of bullet it down um yeah the my wife when me and her first started dating um I was actually supposed to go somewhere else and start work of what what my dad does every day. And um, right before I actually moved to go, she um, invited me with a couple of her friends to go to a bonfire. And one of the uh, guys that was there is actually a firefighter, and he's now one of my lieutenants. Um, me and him hit it off, and, you know, we got to talking and everything. And for Christmas that year, I got a light bar. For my vehicle. And I was trying to figure out who could put it on. And he takes me one day and he was like, hey, I'm down here at uh, the station. If you want to come down, I'll put it on for you. Okay. And was that common? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. You know, we like our department right now, you know, it's open to us. As long as you're a full time member, you can go up there anytime. If you're not a member, you got to leave by 10 p.m., but I mean, we'll go down there and work on our vehicles. Or no, I mean the light bar. Hang.
0: Do a lot of volunteer yeah. firefighters have light bars?
3: Well, this was just like a normal light bar, like just straight. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay.
0: no, I, I yeah. yeah. You said light bar. I'm thinking you're getting the 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 cherries on top of the the car, oh. so you can roll code three to to volunteer calls. But so you're saying it was just a light rack, and he helped this yeah. this lieutenant help to install it.
3: Yeah, Got at it. that time he was he was still green behind the ears on a, being a firefighter um actually in the state of alabama we're not allowed to run uh lights or sirens if we have our if you have lights in your uh personal you cannot turn them on until your vehicle is stopped in park on the side of the road
0: yep that sounds about like california i don't know other states but you can't run lights unless you're actually in an official vehicle so he helped you install that he he, he and he kind of led you to the down the firefighting path like mentored you is it kind of
3: in in a way he taught me into um uh putting in an application and that was that was at the end of december and i didn't actually get accepted into the department until like the end of february and um um,
0: that is pretty quick Oh, for you you know you say until but uh, just to let you know for us we're like oh that's quick
3: but. It, the I don't know, like how long it took for y'all, but you know we're just a volunteer department. You know we don't have. Um, Full We pay. have all. Yeah. Um, for us, you put in an application. Um, the board meets. See, you know they the, like the board gets together with you. You sit down with them. They kind of get where your head's at. Why you want to join that kind of thing. And then the board will get together at the next board meeting, um, discuss it, see if they want to bring you on. And then if they do, they'll call you, let you know, either way, they'll call you and let you know. And, um, you know, I I was able to join, but, uh, the department I'm in, uh, it was, it was very, they're very strict on their training. Um, Mm -hmm. You're labeled as a probie uh, until you're or you're classified as a probie until you complete firemanship one and two. And at that time, I was working second shift. So I was working 5 p.m. to like one in the morning. And um, I didn't have the opportunity to finish firemanship that year. So they ultimately ended up dropping me. And I took like a six month break. and a guy I actually grew up with in another department, like maybe fifteen minutes down the road. Um, I was talking to him one day, and he was like, "Well, come put on out here," because he was in another department. He was like, "Come, you know, come out here, get your feet wet. If you don't like it, at least then you can say you didn't have no regrets." And um, I went out there and uh, put in and. I started hanging out there. Um, I didn't get gear for like four or five months. I didn't even have a radio until my first house fire. And it was just, I fell in love with like, I've always wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. And this, it was just, it felt like when God put me on earth, this is what he, he made me to do.
0: I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So well, so i that's uh I mean that's kind of interesting to me that no matter how many times we talk to people, Chuck, We' just still here, I found a purpose. I felt like I was called to do this. like it wasn't yeah. like, eh, I thought it said of fun, I thought I'd make some money at it. No, it, like you know people people are called to do this it's there's a difference between a job and a calling, and this is definitely as we say, it's definitely a calling.
1: Yeah, there, it is definitely a calling. You know, there are a few that, that, that decide to come on to agencies that are mass hiring. and They go, that sounds like a good good idea. I lost my job, and you know, this has good health care and benefits. But we call them you know, captains. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that happens. And, but for the most part, it's it's all like, yeah, I was called to do this. This is what I was meant to do. It's nothing more. I've wanted nothing more than this as my whole life. As a kid, and you know, grew up wanting to do this, and yeah. You know, right. and those make the best officers or firefighters or EMTs, paramedics, doctors, nurses, you know, those are the ones that are the best ones at their job.
0: Well, Austin, you've been a volunteer firefighter now long enough to have some stories. And it sounds like if you're an all-volunteer firefighter department, then uh everybody's got some stories that are volunteer firefighters. So the floor is yours, my man. What's your story?
3: Uh well to kind of lay it out. It's kind of a longer story, kind of. Sure. Um, so i never forget the day because it was the day that my great-grandmother got sick. Um, like I said, I was working second shift, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and I was sleeping in. Man, she wasn't my wife at that point, but she was my fiance. We were sleeping in, and the radio I had, have y'all ever heard of like the Balefing radios? Yeah. Great place. The,
0: the little mini ham radios
3: yes sir um yeah i had one of those and i remember i woke up to the sound of the far west department of my county getting paged and they have a tone that it's undeniable like you always know when it's there and i you know i remember waking up thinking you know good for them they got something because i was just down there helping them with something other you know a couple days before a couple weeks, and. The chief was saying that, you know, he was glad that it had been kind of quiet and everything they had, you know, had a slow month. And as I was waking up, I heard my phone ringing mm-hmm. and uh the department I was in at that time. um, My lieutenant was really good friends with the other department's chief, and we would go down there and help them if they had something bad enough. And so in my head, I thought maybe it's my lieutenant calling me you know, maybe they got something bad. And, uh, started reaching for my phone. I looked down it was my grandmother and she was saying that something was wrong with my great grandmother and could I get down there. Normally it takes about 25 minutes to get there. And I made it in about 10. That's how fast I was trying (laughs) to get to her. Yeah. And I'm sure y'all know how that is. And, um, just to make a long story short as no, no, it's a getting, podcast,
0: man. Make it, make it detailed, <laughs> make it, make it gory, make it funny, make, make it whatever, but don't make it oh, short.
3: It, it, it's fixing, it's fixing to get bad. Um As they were getting her into the ambulance, uh, we, we used we have text page now, but we used to have an app called active 911 where when we got paged, it would go to your phone and it would give you like a brief description of what was going on, address you know that kind of stuff and my phone went off and not two seconds later i heard the my department's tones dropping for a utv accident and um i looked at the other department's chief and said i gotta go and he was like if you need us call us and i stuck my head in the ambulance and told uh my great-grandmother and my granddad that I was leaving that I would meet him at the hospital Mm -hmm. and where the department I was in, it's kind of in the middle of my County and where I was at was on the far West uh, corner of it. So I come in the back way to where this accident was. And as I'm coming up, I can see tracks from like the UTV. It's like a racer. And as I'm coming up, you know, I'm seeing these tracks, and I'm trying to figure out where it is because my GPS ended like a mile back. I'm like, "What in the world is going on?"
0: <laughs> it, it just shows you, like, in the middle of a green spot, field, right? You're like, "Yeah, just like, yeah."
3: And I start, I come around a curve, and I start going up the hill, and I see a razor on its side. And now I've been in the, I've been in like a labeled as a true firefighter for like a month now. I've got right. gear, I've got a radio.
0: You're like yeah. I'm in it. I'm I'm yeah. I'm there.
3: <laughs> well, as I'm pulling up, the way it looks, and to this day I can still see the picture in my head, it looks like I can see legs turned sideways in this razor. So I jump out of my truck, I grab my radio and I start hauling over the radio, trying to see where my truck is, you know, what where where's my nearest help? And
1: well, you beat the engine the call
3: oh yeah because um up until recently since i've been checked off on trucks i would always just go straight to scene wherever the call was unless it was a scene safety call i would go straight to the scene and um nine times out of ten i even now i can beat our truck on scene
0: well the trucks take a little bit to get going and they're not easily maneuverable so i would be willing to bet there's quite a few uh volunteer firefighters that can beat the rig to the scene right (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I dealt with that. You'd get to a, you'd get to a call, and there would, the volunteer guys would be there, and the truck wouldn't even be there. And they're like, "What do I do?" I'm like, "This this uniform's blue, dog. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know shit. That car's black and white. You could stand there for all I care. I'm gonna go
3: uh, that, that shoot somebody. I don't know. Well, I mean that that goes to show you the difference between uh, somebody that actually knows what they're doing and somebody's just there for the lights and sirens.
0: Yes, Cause I was cause definitely there for the lights and sirens. oh wait you meant the volunteer yeah
3: (laughs) and uh well as i'm you know making sure there's not somebody in the actual razor i hear the most blood curling scream like it it made like my stomach dropped and it was on top of the hill where where i was at was a dirt road going down a hill and i'm at the bottom of the hill and i heard that and i look you know trying to see what's up on top of the hill and i can't see nothing so i ran and jumped back in the truck and come up on top of the hill and there's two guys sitting at a stop sign and uh i pull off to make sure you know and i pull off in the grass that way i'm not in the way of any any trucks EMS whatever's coming i want to make sure i'm out of the way and as i'm walking up um There was a guy. The two guys were sitting, like facing the stop sign, Mm -hmm. and there was a guy in front of one of them. And he looks at as I'm walking up. He looks at me. He says, "Get behind this one guy." And I'm like, you know, like brace him because he's fixing to fall. And so I hit my, you know, kind of hit my knees and got behind him. And I hear him. I hear the guy that's talking to, two, you know, the two victims. He looks at one of them. He said, "This is gonna hurt like a or Just scream at me, cuss me, hate me, whatever you're going to do. And it was at that point I looked down and the guy's like missing all, like, the only finger he has is his index finger. And it's pouring blood and, you know, we're trying, the guy's trying to get a tourniquet on his hand and I think he was pouring alcohol on it. Because, like I said, they wrecked on, uh, no, like rubbing alcohol. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: like i'm like he's in an atv did he just see the bottle of jack and be like hold on this is gonna hurt
3: (laughs) yeah no and so i look you know like i said i look down and i see this guy's missing his fingers and then you know i'm I'm trying my best not to dry heave because i mean he's pouring blood this is like the worst this is the worst thing that i have witnessed since i've been a firefighter
0: And, and he only has his index finger
3: yeah like he, I think now, he had now, his um, me back
0: me up because I'm trying to picture this, right? So the UTV is upside down,
3: it's on its side, on its at side, the bottom of the hill.
0: And this guy's in it.
3: No, he's right? actually, they got out and walked to the top of the hill where the stop sign was.
0: The the people in
3: yeah, the, the UTV two, got out, walked the to the people. top of the hill.
0: So it was yeah. everybody. It wasn't like some people got out and walked, it was everybody got out.
3: Yeah, the driver and the passenger.
0: However, one of, those two people is missing all of the fingers on his hand, except his index finger and his p- part of his thumb. It sounds like maybe.
3: Well, he, I think he had his thumb. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head if he had, I just remember he was missing fingers. Okay. And about that time, our he didn't have started, enough
0: fingers and lots yeah, of blood.
3: <laughs> yes. There's blood pouring every. There was blood everywhere. He's screaming and carrying on and cussing. And, you know, I'm trying to, th- Wrap my head around what i what's going on, and uh my chief gets on scene, and he puts me with a a guy that's actually a paid firefighter that volunteers with us, and he said i need because he saw my truck sitting there, and he was like, "I need y'all to go down there and try to locate the fingers <laughs> because we're going to put them on the we're going to give them to the helicopter because we're going to fly him out
0: right, try and save and his hand.
3: Yeah. yeah. And
0: Makes sense.
3: we uh we go back down there and I mean we're looking and you know, we're how I handle stuff like that, I try to make jokes. You yeah. know, I try to cope with stuff with laughter. And it may not be the best thing, but it helps me. And uh Uh
0: you are not alone, young man, and you're twenty two years old. You 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 will learn that uh many of us many of us cope with gallows humor. The mm-hmm. er doctors firefighters cops nurses anybody that deals soldiers if you deal with human misery for a living you will develop gallows humor and it, it, the, the, at some point you will want to out gallows humor your friends yeah so you're not alone
3: we ended, i think we ended up uh ended up finding them and, and you know as we're walking down we're you know we're staring down at our feet and I parked my truck like I, I think I moved it like a total of like 100 feet at most down the hill because I was so afraid. For one, I just come that direction. I was like, what if I ran over this guy's fingers and didn't know it? And, you know, I'm I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. And, you know, that's just <laughs> kind of how I was. <laughs> that's how my mind was working at that moment because I didn't it's really realize. So
0: funny.
1: So, I found I one of his fingers stuck between the treads of my mud tires.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I actually had mud tires on the truck at that point. <laughs> Six, <laughs> Six months
0: later, you go to like get your tire patch because you have a slow leak. And the guy's like, Do you know you have a finger in between the tread?
3: <laughs> oh, I'd I feel so crappy. Well, as, uh, you know, as we ended up finding all of them and everything, and we're standing around talking uh, after Airy Vax left and everything. And I happened to catch. That kid's name, and it takes me a minute, and like I start thinking, and I'm like, I know this kid's dad. I work with him, Uh and so one of the guys that uh, I work with is actually a firefighter. The ops, uh, still in the same county. He was just like three departments down from where I'm at, so to speak, because you have one on the uh, very west end. You have two kind of in the middle. Mine's the one I'm in now is kind of just to the right of the middle. There, there's like 15 deport, volunteer departments in my county. Okay. Wow. And uh, so I ended up calling because he's he's kind of like my mentor in a way. Like whenever I'm going oh, through oh wow, okay. So I always call him, and as I'm.
0: So Talk you do not just him. work with this dude. You're close with this dude's dad.
3: Oh, yeah. I used, you know, I always call him, like, my honorary dad and yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, as uh, I'm calling him, like, what do I do? He was like, just, you know, don't say nothing. Let him find out on his own. You know, I'm sure he already knows and everything. Well, the next day I go into work and I got there early for some reason. I got there, like. Thirty minutes early because I I work second shift, so I work three p.m. to eleven p.m.
0: Yeah, back me up there. real quick because I'm not clear on who gave you that advice.
3: Um, it was um, tell him. It was my pretty much like my mentor. He was a captain in uh, another department down the road.
0: So he's a different mentor. Yes. Yes. Okay. Got um, it. Got it. So you have two mentors. One is giving you advice to not tell your other mentor about what happened to his kid yet.
3: Yeah. Well. Okay. The the kid's dad. Well, he wasn't really like my mentor but I highly respected him and I loved him like a dad.
2: Yeah, um, okay. Okay.
3: Um he uh I seen I saw him pull up and it it threw me for a loop because I knew i if that was me in that position I wouldn't have been at work. I'd been where my son was. Right. And he gets out of the truck and he comes over to me and I get out of, I get out of my truck and he looks at me and he said, "Did you run a call yesterday?" I said, yes, sir, I did, and he starts asking me all this information about, you know, what I, what what happened the day before, and this guy's old enough to be like my granddad, and I highly respected him, you know, he was a good friend, and when he breaks down crying in front of a, you know, 18, 19-year-old, you know, boo because I was there for his son, and he finally understands now why, um, you know, volunteer firefighters drop what they're doing and take off and go to calls. And, you know, as soon as the tone drops, you drop what you're doing and you go, there's no right. questions asked. And he said he could finally understand it. And he, you know, he thanked me. And he always said that, uh, cause he lived out there where I was a firefighter and, uh, He always said he never had to worry because he knew my nickname at work is Bubba. And he said he never had had to worry because he always knew Bubba would be on his way. Well, flash forward like a year later, I've moved shifts. I'm working nights now. And um, I ended up, we got page to a full arrest. Do you all, you happen to know what a full arrest is?
0: Like a heart attack?
3: yeah like cardiac arrest
0: yeah yeah. full arrest
3: and um we got page to a full arrest and um you know we did everything we could we couldn't couldn't save them or save her and uh ended up finding out that it was my buddy's wife so to speak (sighs) they weren't together but legally they were still married and uh That was hard, too, because not long after EMS got on scene and, you know, called it, my phone started ringing and it was him. And he said, I just want to hear it, hear it from you. Y'all did everything y'all could. You know, I want to hear it from you personally. Did y'all do everything y'all could? Right. And I I was like, you know, buddy, we I'm not going to lie to you. We did everything. And. You know, there's just some things we can't control.
2: Yeah, no, uh, that's, and you have to get used to that.
3: And, uh, well, I, I actually, I didn't realize this, but I ended up, I grew up with his daughter. And, um, when she got there, uh, of course she knew that I was there when her brother had lost, you know, his fingers and everything. And then of course I was there when her mom passed away. And she made a comment that I was always there when the bad stuff happened and that I, you know, I should probably stay away from them. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're probably not wrong. And, um uh,
0: it would feel like I, that at that point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm sorry if I get emotional on this next part, but, um,
2: Nope. Don't be sorry. That's okay.
3: This past December, I went hunting with my granddad and, uh, on uh the saturday morning and we were actually supposed to still be hunting and we left early because my wife was pregnant and i'd been gone since like 4 a.m so i was like you know i probably should get home and uh i pulled up in my driveway and uh i heard one of the north department the department is just north of mine now got page to a wreck with entrapment everything, you know, it it just sounded bad. And every bit of me wanted to go. But we can, you know, if we jump a call and we get hurt or something happens, we're not covered. Right. And um so, you know, I was like, I'll just wait for because at that point I was still in both departments and I was like, you know, surely that they'll page one of them and then I'll go. And, um, this was right before Christmas and I was at my in-laws and they had released on Facebook, you know, who had, it, you know, it, we had heard that it was a fatality and everything and it turned out to be my buddy. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I, was, I still struggle with the fact that I know that it probably is not true or, you know, I'm sure he was thinking about a hundred different things in that moment, but. For me personally, I still go back to that day where he always told me that he never had to worry because I was always on my way.
0: Right, and then this time you weren't on your way because you chose to wait for the page.
3: Yeah, and that's something that I'm not a very emotional person, and that's something that still, every time I think about it, it 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 hurts real bad.
0: And it, I I wish I could tell you that it's going to change over time, but. That it's like a freaking piece of food stuck in your teeth, man. Those thoughts, they'll they'll go away over time to an, to the extent that you won't have them every day. But I I'm convinced that until the day I die, some of the lingering questions from my career, the what ifs, the, the the calls that really upset me, I'll still wonder: Could I have done something different? Could I have this? Could I have that? And so I don't think that'll ever leave us. Um, Personally, I don't know
1: about you, Chuck. Uh, No, I don't, I don't think so either. There's still calls to this day that, you know, could I have done something more is, is, you know, or just the thought of it still there and it's not going to go away. And sometimes, you know, I have a dream and sometimes I don't, it's there. You never know when it's going to resurface, but it happens. It's part of the job. It's part of, it's part of all of that, but know that you did, you know, everything in your power and, and, you know, who, who knows things happen in mysterious ways and miraculous ways. And, you know, maybe there's a reason why you didn't get the call. Maybe.
0: And you know what? I guarantee you, you may be kicking yourself for not going to that call. You may be upset at yourself for those words. Those words may be haunting you because you made a choice. You said, you know what? I want to go, but I'm not going to because I know I shouldn't until I get the
2: call. However, I would bet that the questions you have about whether or not you should have
0: gone are secondary to the fact that had you gone, you would have seen your friend in a situation you should never have to see, don't want to think about again, and would still have not helped. So, you'd be stuck with the memory of I went and I couldn't do anything. And now I'm stuck with this vision of my friend. And at least mercifully right now, you remember the way he was not the way he ended up. Right. So Austin, I would say that as much as you're beating yourself up over, not going, you got a gift and the, you know, I believe in divine intervention. I believe things happen for a reason. John did. John still does. Um, I, I, Chuck, does you know things happen for a reason and i'm here to tell you that if you were asking my opinion over beers i would tell you that you were spared going to that call for a reason
3: that's exactly what my my family and friends have told me
0: and i
1: concur big time because i've seen it where um someone's had to work on someone close to them and it it wrecked them it messed up their mind for a
0: really long time
3: let's we'll say that A friend of Chuck's
0: and I No, I was gonna say uh, Chuck and I have a mutual friend in fact to give it so that I don't dime him off a he's been on the podcast and b he was on the pod we recorded his episode the same day we recorded Chuck's first episode on the podcast and uh, as they were passing each other leaving the studio they recognized each other and I it was kind of hilarious to me that John knew Chuck and I knew this other cop. And then these two cops knew each other because from working together. So do you know who I'm talking about now? I do. Yeah. And uh, he once told me about a call where he responded to a gunshot victim up on Mulholland. And when he got up there, it was a cop that he had worked with and was friends with who had shot himself in the face and then laid his badge and his ID out on the seat next to him so that they could identify him when he got when they got there, and my buddy got there and and was the first cop to respond to find one of his friends had shot and killed himself, and the only way he knew it was his friend was because his badge and ID were sitting on the seat. so um yeah you 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 definitely um you definitely were given a
2: gift, I think. I agree. Well, uh,
3: I have uh We had a really bad fatality wreck one time, right down the road from where I actually live now. And, um, when they released his name, I looked him up on Facebook. And the, um, when I we were popping the door to actually get him out, he had, uh, he had this grin on his face. Like they always say you can always tell if somebody was at peace with dying with how their face is, especially with mm-hmm. wrecks. And, um, He had a grin on his face and it was the same grin he had on his Facebook profile picture. And I still see that face. (laughs) That's something that you'll never forget.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the way you should. That's the way you should. He was your friend. I mean, let's face it. You've dealt with um, an intersection of your personal and professional life um, on a scale that I can't imagine you know, and I—I I was a cop in a small area, but I didn't know anybody from that area. I did work with people that had to deal with calls at locations where they were friends with or knew people, like like Chuck and I have discussed, and like you've discussed, Austin. But yeah. I've personally never experienced it. I don't, Chuck. If I mean, it's it's difficult in major metropolitan areas. The smaller your area gets, I'm sure the more common this might be, especially with volunteer fire agencies. But I don't, Chuck. Have you ever? been on a call with somebody you knew personally and i'm not talking about like you know you show up in a call with and there's a kid you knew in junior high i mean like you show up and it's your friend you no
1: know, unfortunately i mean thank god for me um i work in an area where i did not grow up and it's forwardly far from where i grew up now i have come in contact with criminals that i went to school with um right <laughs> and like tweakers and stuff like that but as far as having to actually deal with someone the closest i came was with someone else who we both worked on this child and um the child did not make it and it was a close family friend of his and that was the closest i've ever came to seeing anything like that and to see how it tore him up i mean i i've never had that an opportunity nor do i ever want that opportunity um because it's it's tough and i've seen
0: it firsthand yeah. how tough it can no. be so mm-hmm. thank god no you now austin um, did this do anything to your, uh, desire or willingness or your, your love of the job? Did, did it affect you as far as, you know, what you do and whether you want to do it? Did you question, should I even do this anymore? Did you, did it strengthen your resolve? And you say, no, I, I I can see firsthand, like, how did it affect you that you've been so closely involved with your personal life on, on
2: three separate calls that, you know, affected you and the people you work with.
3: I don't think it ever, I mean, it, I don't think it ever affected my love for being a firefighter in any way. Um, I still love being a firefighter. Um. It's never, you know, un, un, you know, I may be still young and I may still be really new at this, so to speak. Um, but, and I, I've, I've seen some really bad stuff and I've seen some really good stuff. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it had anything. I think it only strengthened my love for it.
2: So it affirmed your beliefs in the
1: calling that you have.
3: Yes, sir. 110%.
0: Well, Uh, I, I, that probably would have done it for me as well. Like I, I would like to think that that would have strengthened my resolve, too. And I would have said, you know what, I, I, if if I can be involved in helping even people in my own life by doing this job, that's, that's a, an added incentive I never even expected. Even though in your case, obviously, it's been negative, like it would tell me that, oh, my gosh, maybe on the next one maybe on the next one I'll be able to make a difference and it'll be somebody I know. And you know what I mean? I I, I think that's probably where I would go with it is it would make me want to, you know, do better on the next one, especially in case it was, you know, friends and family.
3: Oh yeah. Um, on a different story real quickly. Um, I, I actually bought my house that I live in now. That's, I mean, it's two minutes from my department. Um, we got last year we got page, this was before my buddy's incident or accident I should say. Um we got page to an unconscious and um and it it's where my house sits, it's in the subdivision directly in front of my house. And it was actually two houses down from where I had we had originally was gonna buy a house. And um as I'm walk, you know, I pull up, I turn my flashes on, get out of the truck, and as I'm walking up, this little girl comes up to me and she was like, Um, my mommy's in there, she's on the floor, can you help her? And I was like, you know, I got, you know, I'll do everything I can, but do me a favor and stay outside. You know, please don't come inside. You know, okay. go to a neighbor's house, do whatever you can. Just please don't come in here. And I walk in the house and there's a woman laying in the kitchen and her mother standing over. And, you know, I start asking all these questions, you know, how long has she been down? What happened? Does she have any medical conditions? You know, basic information that I need to know. That way I can relay it to my guys that are coming to EMS, that kind of thing. Right. And I couldn't get, um, for some reason I couldn't go over the radio. Like I'm holding down the button trying to talk and nobody can hear me. And I heard over the radio that um the buddy that ended up getting me in the department, um he goes over the radio talking to another member that he was on his way to the station. So I stepped outside and I called him on the phone and I told him what was going on and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm so lost because even though I'm a firefighter, not all volunteers are um like EMTs. Right. And I don't have a whole lot of medical training. I have I'm CPR certified and I know very very basic stuff. And Okay. Um he's talking to me and um I run back to my truck and when I went through my EMT class or not my EMT class, my CPR class, um they gave us a, a rescue breath thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like the a, yeah, it's the it's like the in mask. the shape of a heart.
0: An yeah, ambu It's bag. a mask that you, it's the mask that they can connect an ambu bag to. Well, yeah.
1: it's an ambu ambu mask that yeah. you're able to breathe into and it creates a seal over the person's mouth, um and chin area, creating um and a nose area. It creates a seal so that you can breathe air into and if they vomit or spit anything up, it has a seal which blocks it from going into your mouth.
0: Yeah, it's it's a one way valve.
3: Yeah. Well, as as that's all going on, I uh, I go back inside and I've got my buddy on the phone and he's like walking me through what I need to do, and it took everything I had to because she was face down, so mm. I ended up. It took everything I had to roll her over, and once I finally got her on her back, I started feeling for a pulse, and you know, like when somebody's ODN how they, you know, anybody off the street. Probably wouldn't know that they're actually breathing, like you can just barely hear it. It sounds almost like they're gurgling, yes. Um,
0: yes, that, that yeah, like that death groan,
3: yeah. And I could hear doing that, and I could just barely feel a pulse. And so, um, uh, I started doing chest compressions, you know, trying to do everything I could. I, I was doing CPR until. You know, EMS got there, or somebody with you know more medical knowledge than me could get there. And uh, once EMS did get there, they pushed Narcan three different times wow. before they left. And the first time, I'm I'm like over, kind of like her middle area, standing up, and uh, there was two MT two EMTs and a paramedic at like her head area. And I mean, dude, she was sweating so bad. There was so many like bodily fluids everywhere. And when they pushed Narcan on like her left side, blood started pouring out of her right side. And that's the first time I've I've ever really seen Narcan pushed. Yeah. And
1: it can be violent. It can be, it can be traumatic.
3: Oh yeah. You know what the
0: most the the best part about Narcan is when they come out of it and they're like, "Hey man, you stole my high," and you're like, "Yeah, we did. You were gonna die. (laughs) Fuck off."
3: (laughs) Well, you know, we get her in the ambulance and everything, and I am I am tore up, just almost boohooing because I'm like, "What if she doesn't make it? What could I've done better? What could I've done different?" You know, I'm going through all these just widespread emotions and the paramedic come up to him and he was like, You saved her life.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And
1: so a little uh words of uh words of um I guess advice or wisdom or whatever. Not really wisdom, but uh some information. I had something similar happen to me working where I ended up actually beating the rescue ambulance, FD, everyone, uh mm-hmm. me and the the boot I was working with and we ended up uh having an OD same groans death rattle and we're like oh shit boot goes and grabs his uh his narcan comes back and we have two shots of narcan up the nose first one we push blood starts coming out of the nose he freaks out and i'm like don't push the push the next one let's wait for a second nothing push the next one we push the next one and at that point we start i start rubbing the chest doing a sternum rub trying to get this dude to wake up hey (laughs) hey yeah but he did not wake up and I had to go and flag down cause we were now we're out of Narcan. We had to go flag down the, uh, ambulance, uh, the R the rescue ambulance and, um, uh, the engine, you know, cause they didn't know where we were, even though we we're broadcasting, they, for some reason they got lost or some shit and they actually came up and then loaded. And by the time they loaded the dude starting to wake up and they said, Hey, look at those cops right there. They saved your life. And then the head, uh, head dude, I guess it was like their captain, captain. or not, I don't know. Their captain came up and was like, hey, "I just want to let you know, you saved that dude's life. That groaning that you heard, that what you 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 advise and you, you give us that yeah, he's that, groaning. Right? That yeah. is the last thing that they do before they die. So you, in fact, if if you would have waited any longer to to start helping, that person would have expired, and that little girl would not have a mother. And hopefully, that makes her hit rock bottom and she straightens her life up and gets off the heroin and the opiates." But sometimes it doesn't affect them at all, and then go back and
0: use the same thing next week. Yeah, that's the death rattle, man. I mean, but yeah, you, you mm.
1: right there, and you save that person's life for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and um, Chuck, did you did you get a did you get a commendation for that? Did you get a life saving award for that? Did you get? So they they
1: they're like, mm-hmm. oh,
0: we're. I was like, hey, we should get a commendation for
1: this, right? And then they're like, okay, they're like, wait, that's like life saving metal material. I was like, hell yeah, let's do life saving metal, nothing. Nothing, yeah. not a commendation, not a lifestyle. not even a "Hey, dude, good job." They're like, "Huh, interesting, cool." At Why'd you use so much you Narcan? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know that shit's expensive, right? It's not in the budget. That's what I was
1: expecting to get, right? So. Why'd you use so much?
0: Well, well Austin, you you have a, a distinction where we're, this is going to be a first for us. We've we've never had um, uh, the same person be featured as a dedication before, but. Interestingly, uh, for the listeners, if they don't know, Austin, uh, we always ask for dedication. And, and Austin had previously emailed us, and we had included uh, someone that he had emailed us about in a dedication of an episode. But since Austin is here, uh, he wanted to rededicate his episode, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh... so go ahead. You're, you're more than welcome to dedicate it.
3: It's uh, for Sergeant Nick Riser. He was killed uh, a couple months ago uh, in the city over from me. He was chasing a bad guy and was shot and killed, trying to protect lives. He was going towards um, that city's Walmart, and Nick went to pit the vehicle, and the vehicles ended up spinning Side by side, driver to driver. And um, Nick was ultimately killed and his partner took uh, a round to the vest.
2: Mm.
0: Well, rest easy, brother. We got it from here. And uh, I wanted to also include that um, a a firefighter that was recently uh, killed in the line of duty in Rock Falls, Illinois, Lieutenant Garrett Ramos. Uh, Lieutenant Ramos was inside a house fighting a fire when the floor collapsed beneath him on Friday night uh, last week. So uh, they just had a funeral for Lieutenant Ramos and the news released from the city of Sterling, where he was a firefighter, said that they received a call just after 11 PM Friday on Ridge road. EMS crews attempted life-saving measures on the firefighter at the scene and en route to the medical center where doctors continued life-saving efforts to no avail. Uh, He was on duty and um, responding to a fire when he fell through the floor. No further information is available at this point. Uh, And the reason I want to bring that up is obviously we have Austin on here and he's a firefighter, but uh, we have had a firefighter on the show, a friend of mine named Aaron, who is now an ER nurse, who had the same thing happen to him fell through the floor and uh, did not die. So Aaron was very lucky, but unfortunately Lieutenant Ramos was not. So uh Lieutenant Ramos rest easy brother. Uh we have it for him here. Uh Austin, thank you for coming on, man. At, at 22, you've already seen so much more than the average 22-year-old. I mean, that's like I mean that's what I say. Veterans, firefighters, cops, nurses, paramedics, by the time you're 22 23 24 25 years old you've been in the game anywhere between you know 2 to 5 years and you've seen some shit you've seen stuff that you know the only way you're going to see that and without joining the police fire department you, you go overseas go serve in the military you know these are all the jobs where you're going to see this stuff you're going to have to deal with this stuff um and you're going to have to to do it all while experiencing all these emotions that you push through uh and deal with later hopefully but uh at 22 years old austin has already seen and dealt with more than than probably with the exception of your friends in the firefighting and police business you're probably the only one of your friends that's seen this kind of stuff i would guess
1: or for some people, some adults out there, that's thats the, you also have oh, seen God more yeah. in, in that short period of time than they will in their whole life.
0: I've still talked yeah. to 40, 50 year old people that I'll make a comment about some stupid call I was on that happened to have something crazy on it. And they go, you must have seen some shit. I'm like, that's nothing. And they're like, well, I'll bet. And I go, what's like, and you know, I'll, I'll ask out of curiosity and i was you know you've never seen anything like that and like oh hell no and yeah. you forget that the stuff that we see the stuff that we deal with on a regular basis the stuff that austin at 22 has seen there are 50 60 70 year old people on this planet that have never even come close to that and so you do it not only at 22 but as a volunteer and, and and War Stories Podcast official position on anybody that does this for no money is that we respect the shit out of you. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: And there, there's things that I've witnessed and things I've heard that I wouldn't wish upon my greatest enemy. And then
2: I'm sure well, you then you have more
0: respect enemy. for your greatest enemy than I do because there's some shit I would totally wish on them. <laughs> Hell, there's shit I saw I'd wish on my friends. I'd be like, hey, dude, come over here and check this out. That's pretty crazy. But... <laughs> <laughs> you're right. For the most part, there are several things that I've seen where if somebody's like, Hey, I'm gonna go check that out. I'll be like, Nope, no, 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 nope. Don't bother. Just run away. Turn away. Yeah. So,
1: hey, you know, Austin, your life's going to be forever changed from here at this point forward. <clears throat> and you are going to continue to see things. Just make sure that you have a good support system and a support group, which sounds like you do. But uh, don't ever fall into that rut where you do not talk to people about it that you respect. Because the moment you stop talking and start bottling, it, it makes it worse. So make sure that you talk to people about it. If you you know need uh, someone to talk to or you need to reach out to someone, you can always hit us back here. Um, and we can try to facilitate something for you. But make sure that you have a support group and make sure the, the guys in your department and surrounding departments that you're friends with make sure they do so they can help you can help prevent burnout or catastrophic disaster because god knows i've seen it on my department i've seen the shit eat people alive i've seen my friends uh, from the military that she eats them up and sometimes the worst happens so i don't want that to happen to anybody so make sure that you and you, you preach to everyone else have a good fucking support system and talk about it and get that shit off. And if someone needs help, make sure you get them the help that you need.
3: Damn
0: right. Need. Any final words as we
3: close out this episode, Austin? I appreciate y'all letting me come on. Oh, no, we honor- appreciate
0: you coming on. Any advice for young uh, young people out there that are looking to get into this line of work other than buckle up?
3: <laughs> well. Uh, If if you want to get in it, you know, to run lights and sirens down the road and, you know, you want to be front page of the paper and everything. It's not about that. You know, you, you do no, it, it. You get not. you get, you know, you go into the services like fire, EMS, military. You do it for the betterment of your community.
0: I just thought of something. There's two kinds of uh there's two kinds of public safety people. There's the kind that when they see that they made the front page of the paper, they buy a copy of the paper and they frame it. The other one buys every copy of the paper and then burns them.
3: <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna lie to you, Tom. I've I've made the paper once or twice and I've got, you know, pictures and I've got the newspaper and stashed away, but I don't go around blasting it yeah. everywhere.
0: So, you know, what's interesting is uh I did not save the paper, but my wife did. And when we moved up here, as I was packing stuff up and I was, I found a box of my stuff from the police department that it was labeled, you know, police stuff. And I opened the box when we got here to, to, you know, transfer it into a plastic tub and put it in my storage uh, shed and stuff. And I opened it up and I find this envelope and I pull stuff out and it's all of this paperwork and newspapers and stuff that my wife had saved. And what's interesting is as much as I joke about the cops that want to see their picture in the paper and the cops that don't want to see their picture in the paper, I'll tell you this. I'm kind of glad she did. And now that I'm, you know, beyond it all and I have mementos of it that I would not necessarily have wanted at the time, I'm definitely glad I have them now. So the fact that you saved them and you put them in a box somewhere is probably more, uh, more correct. That's probably the best way to do it. Get it put it away don't ever look at it until you retire then pull out those memories and do some healing
1: i've never been featured in no paper on the news a bunch of times (laughs) i've been been recognized by the the trauma center nurses but hey we saw you in the news and i was like cool, that's cool i was like was that you i was like no they're like yes it was and i was like okay it was and and, So like we we gotta buy you ice cream or you gotta buy us ice cream or some weird shit and I was like oh yeah that whole thing if like, you get your picture in uh, the
0: paper if you're on TV you gotta buy a, yeah anyway.
1: I've never I don't have any clippings I think I have one <laughs> screenshot of, of of me fucking dealing with this dude who got shot in the chest but well, that's it anything else that never we don't make the papers out here
0: that's no, like for me it was my only bad my shit incident. yeah oh no of course it's only really bad shit you do fuck up one time you're in the paper <laughs> it's only bad shit but uh, yeah. I do have some announcements. Go for it.
1: So um, I spoke to the connection uh, for, for the uh, surprise release. Dylan transits, probably sitting in a shipping container, still waiting on it. So I'm going to check back again at night. Still have no idea. I'm really hoping they get here before Christmas and then we can get them all out for the first of the year. But we do have um, some PVC patches coming and they should be here probably this this new week coming up. Yeah. Uh, just before christmas so i will make sure to get those out um and they are a uh well just just wait and see but they're, they're cool yeah.
0: and we started uh we we're on facebook we're on instagram and against my better judgment we're also on tiktok stop it <laughs> yeah we are
1: i know you You're on know, um
0: i've made a couple of videos and uh it's 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 kind of a necessary evil you reach people that way and and chuck and our my goal with chuck is to reach as many people as we can so that people like austin can get their stories told so that the general public at large will pull their collective heads out of their collective anuses and start recognizing that public safety is one of the most important pillars in our society and we need to stop fucking it up so bad and so if that takes me making fucking stupid videos on TikTok to, to get people to want to see what we're into, Chuck posted one of our reels on Instagram that he made and 17,000 people saw it. 30,000. Oh, sorry. 30,000 people saw it. I mean, you know, you just, you just can't argue with those numbers, man. You can't. So we're trying if over you, here. If you are, in, if you are on TikTok, you can follow me or follow the podcast and TikTok. Uh, I don't know what kind of content we're going to generate. It's so far been like brain droppings on my part that I just random shit occurs to me and then I post it up there. But we'll see. We'll we'll figure it out. We're, I'm 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 middle aged man trying to figure out the fucking social media app from the Chinese government. So it's not. It's there's a learning curve there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not Chinese saying forms. my
0: daughter has United. helped me with it, but I'm saying my daughter has helped me with it. <laughs> <laughs> Good austin job. again i want i want to thank you for coming on and uh until our next episode come home with your shield or on it